What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to Just Talking with Steph Iliff. I am so excited for this podcast and to be bringing it to you every single week to be just talking about all the things that life has to offer us, right? I'm hoping that I can bring you some insights, some laughter, some amazing interviews with some awesome powerhouses who have let go of fear, who have totally stepped into themselves, who are living their best life so you can learn from them. I want to be talking to you every single week as well about different things that are going on in my life as a self-love coach, as a mom, as a woman, as someone who is dating and like the whole dating scene and how it's so important that we date with self-love so we don't ruin our own self-love, how to create, you know, amazing habits that truly stick with you for a lifetime so you become your best self, so you can become your inner powerhouse and how to just let go of fear and fully step into you. So every week I'm going to be bringing you different topics that align with that, different interviews with different amazing people. And we're just going to be talking about it and having the best time. So thank you so much for joining in to Just Talking with Steph Island. What is up, you guys? I am so excited to be just talking today. Today, I have my beautiful friend here as our guest host, speaker, amazingness, like all the life love. I just love this woman. She's so incredible. Her and I went to Kajabi together last April, right? Was it April or May that we went? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, April. Yeah. April, just over your birthday. And it was just like the most amazing experience for me, not so much for Tiff, but it's also still like a good experience for her. Like she still had to grow through it. We got to meet each other and we really had like this really awesome um, bonding moment together, like in the gym where we just like totally connected and we just like got so real with each other in like 10 seconds. Like we went like so deep and just saw each other's soul and just had like the most intimate, like beautiful conversation just about like life and like everything and the ups and downs of it. And we related it to like working out and to running and like just this like storm of life that we go through. And I felt just like so connected and so peaceful. And like Tiffany has this amazing spirit where she just like comes in and grounds you and like helps you feel so safe in like two seconds. You're like, I don't know where this all is coming from, but I just want to speak all this stuff to you. And she's just like, she's such an amazing mom and role model and just everything. So I'll, I'll introduce her, but this is Tiffany Denny. She's the co-founder of the relationship recovery and is a survivor of domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, and infidelity. She believes that all women should be able to be in a safe and loving relationship. She's also a firm believer that women need to be educated in domestic abuse, violence, and know what their resources are available for them to get safely, to get out of it safely, which I think is so, so important. Cause I don't think, and that's what we're gonna talk a lot about today is that a lot of people don't realize that they're in a bad relationship and Tiff's going to go over that. But after several years of her own intense therapy, she was able to reclaim herself and live the life she was meant to live. Her mission is to help as many women as possible leave an abusive relationship without being harmed and then give these women the resources that they need to reestablish their lives. She's an amazing mother of six children and a nana to grand, six grandbabies, which you would never think it because she just looks so amazing. She just got off like a 10,000 mile run. This girl's just incredible. Um, she's a certified meeting planner, a life coach, an entrepreneur, and she has a passion for helping women in all areas of their life prof- professionally and personally. So Tiff, thank you so much. Thanks for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. And I'm so excited that I, that you came into my life. That was kind of amazing how all that happened. And um, like Steph said, it was a weird experience for me. I ended up with a kidney stone during our Kajabi events and those kind of things, but um, I still got to spend enough time with Steph and that little moment in the gym was pretty dang amazing for me. Mm. So yeah, it was a great bonding moment for sure. And you had great words and advice for me for sure. So same to you. So thank you. It's beautiful. Well, Tiff, I'm just so excited for everybody to hear from you today. Um, and I love if you would share your own personal story of your own abusive narcissistic relationship that you are a survivor from. And I mean, this story is just like incredible. Like you, it's just crazy what you went through, but if you'll kind of give the audience, tell them a little bit about that. Sure. So I usually like to start my story right at the beginning when I met my ex-husband. Um, I was 12 years old and he was 18. So there was a big age difference, especially, you know, at 12, you're still a baby yourself, you know, but I had met him at a church activity. I was just coming into, um, the church group because I turned 12 and he was just leaving the church group because he had turned 18. And that was kind of the last activity. And I just happened to meet him there. Um, he was really charismatic, really charming, um, really super nice to me. And he, he, I remember him saying, Oh, um, 
your dad's Jim Cragen. And I said, yeah. And he's like, oh, I just talked to him and I'm going to take a job with him. And he, he basically had talked to my dad and he came to the house and he started helping put in a sprinkling system. And that's kind of the beginning of how I met him. The thing is, is we didn't know at the time what was happening, but he was grooming me. And, you know, now I know what these words and these terms mean, um, but basically grooming a definition of grooming. Cause a lot of people might not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it's when a predator sets the stage for abusing another. So it's just, you know, it's, and it's hard to understand that that is an intentional thing, but is it's very intentional. Um, he spent many days, many hours. He started to kind of integrate himself into our family. And by the time I was 15, we were having sex and I was way, way too young to be doing that. But you know, I just, I trusted him. Um, I believed everything he told me. I thought he was the best thing ever. You know, I didn't see some of those abusive patterns at that age because I, and we're going to talk about some red flags here and, and why we, why we just kind of skip over those sometimes. But, um, and but at by 12, the time you I was, like you saw red flags, like, were you able to no. recognize that? Nope. Not at all. Not at all. And, and I'll give you a red flag. My first red flag um, moment that I actually just ignored. Um, and it was a big one. And I like to tell that part of my story because, um, it was just such a pivotal moment in my life. And, um, and so, yeah, so the grooming process is just happening during this period of time. By the time I'm 18, I'm pregnant. And some of that may have been a little subconscious because my mom, you know, obviously was, just terrified of the situation and you know you have this man basically dating this child and um you know it was just it wasn't good a good situation and it was it was just horrifying for her um but I felt like oh well if I get pregnant then she can't make it so I can't see him so I don't know for sure if I did that intentionally but um some of me wants to think back on some of that and and say that that's a good possibility because I was just really adamant that I was going to be with him. Um, we got married and he told me some things like he told me your family sat around the table and they actually took paper out and they wrote on the paper and they took a bet of how long we would be married for. So you can see he's sealing these things into my head. Um, this is part of the grooming process as well. Uh, making me so that, and, and my personality, I've got, you know, that perfectionism, which isn't a great thing to have. And I work on that daily, but in my mind, I wasn't going to be a failure. You know, I was not going to be a failure and this marriage was not gonna, you know, this marriage was going to work no matter what. And so, uh, we left and went on our honeymoon on the way. And this is, this is the part of the story I tell, I, tw I tell this frequently because I just think it's such a pivotal moment and it's, um, a way that you can see how somebody would really ignore a red flag. Yeah. So we went, we stopped at a Jack in the box to get some dinner, lunch, lunch. It was lunch because it was still daylight outside. Um, stopped to get lunch. And I remember him bringing the food to the table and sitting down for just a brief moment and standing back up and saying, I've got to go take care of something. I'll be right back. So I'm five months pregnant. There's no cell phones at this point in time. I think we had pagers at that point. Um, and, you know, he left and I did have a watch on. And I remember looking at my watch. It was, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes went by, then an hour went by and it's starting to kind of get a pit in my stomach. Like, where is he? Where is he? I was anxious. A couple hours went by and I was starting to kind of panic and not really know what to do. But the thing that this is what I want um, people to realize, the thing that was going through my head wasn't that he left me. It was that I would have to tell my mother and I would be a failure. And it was all that stuff that he was sticking in my head. And I was believing because I was choosing to ignore any of my intuition, any of my gut feeling. And I had had those feelings, you know, previous to getting married. I, you know, it wasn't that I hadn't had those feelings. I just, I just ignored them. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit why we do that. But, um, so there was an older couple sitting behind me. They asked me, they said, you know, can we help you? Can we, you know, get you somewhere to like a payphone? And at that point in time, probably 
three and a half, four hours into this, I knew I really didn't have a choice. I was going to have to call home. And so I stood up, we walked out. And just as I walked out, he came around the corner in his truck and he rolled down the window and told me to get in. Okay. So that's the big red flag moment for me because I knew better. I knew I, in my gut, I knew this was bad. What do you mean by you knew better? Like, give me, help me understand what you're referring to when you say that. So basically, um, I just, you know, I, I had kind of a sinking feeling in my stomach and just this nagging feeling always of anxiety and fear and walking on eggshells around him. And I knew it wasn't a good situation. And like, I just felt like you were always like, you might be doing something wrong or like you're always trying to earn his approval, that kind of a thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, we, a, a lot of times we'll carry on like nothing's wrong because it's easier to deny that than go through the pain of, right. you know, conflict and those kind of things. So, um, you know, it was just easier for me to get in the car and not have that situation with him where he could have been mean and abusive to me and yelled and screamed and those kind of things. Um, and so you get in the car, do you address anything and like ask, or you feel like you don't even have permission? I to did ask. ask. Okay. Yeah, I did ask, but I was quickly shut down. And there was this look that was just this look of don't say anything. If you do, you're going to pay for it. And so I got that look and I never pushed. Now, later on, like way later on, like during, you know, maybe, maybe six months of getting divorced, I asked that question again and he wouldn't tell me where he was. Now, I mean, my gut feeling is, I have, you know, a couple of different ideas of what he may have been doing. We were very close to Vegas and, you know, who knows, who knows what he was doing. But the point of, point of, of it is, is that I ignored that red flag and I chose to get into the truck. And what do you do when you're helping? I know we're, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but when you help out clients, yeah. when you're helping out people in relationship recovery, how do you help them identify these red flags and see that and take away the guilt from that? Cause like what you're seeing is like, okay. And like, really to learn how to trust your intuition during that. Like, no sis, like whatever that inner voice is, like inner muscle. It's like, you just got treated like so disrespectfully this, you don't deserve this. Like, but then that question, how they're questioning themselves in that, how do you help people with that coping mechanism and to, to build that, I guess. Yeah. To build that. So, so a lot of times, so we have about, I don't know, 30 main red flags that, you know, when Kirsten and I coach, if we're hearing those, it becomes a discussion after we get off the coaching call before we have the next coaching call with that person, because we know at that point in time that we've got to help them to recognize those because we get in such denial. We don't want to recognize them. And then when we do, we take on a lot of shame and shame is kind of what we've got to get past. And we've got to, you know, teach them that, you know, it's okay it's okay to stand up for yourself. It's okay to, you know, stand in your truth. It's okay to cause conflict if you have to, but we're going to help you do it safely so that, you know, you're not harmed in the process. That's the biggest problem with abuse is, you know, I had been asked several times, why didn't you report? I'd been asked by the police the first time I did report. Um, why, why don't you report? Well, we don't report because, if somebody comes in, if the police come get them, take them to jail, well, two days later, they're going to come back. And that, when they come back, it's you that's going to get the brunt of that. And it's scary. It's scary to report. So, you know, but we teach them how to do that safely. Um, we build a safety plan with them. But as far as wrapping their head around it, it takes a little while to get to the point where you can stop ignoring those red flags and you can start seeing them. Um, a lot of just going through enough of them and saying, okay, something's not right here. Um, we get in these situations and we're very codependent and meaning, you know, we, we want to fix this. We have hope. We, you know, we, we know that if we maybe were better, that things would be better for us, you know, um, better for the relationship, or if we didn't say the wrong things, then uh, he wouldn't explode and he wouldn't hurt me and those kind of things. So just really working um, on overcoming some of that shame that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how we combat that a little bit. So how did you do that? And helping them to recognize 
to be able to see it, right? Because like you are like, I think that's the other hard part too that I hear a lot of women struggle with is that like, well, I really do like love this person. So I don't understand like why I'm being treated this way. And so they're trying to wrap around like, what is this reality that I'm in? Like what's yeah. going on? Would you say so that? Re- really what happens there is called a trauma bond. And it's, it's basically an addiction to another person. Um, you, you, it's, it's based on a reward system. So you get in a relationship like this and you know, you're rewarded and it's reinforced and then it goes back into that abuse cycle and then it comes back around. It's like having a carrot dangled in front of your face and you have so much hope that this person's going to change and that you can help change that. And, you know, you don't want to, you know, tear your family apart and there's just so much that goes with it, but it keeps you trapped. It keeps you trapped inside of a really toxic relationship. Um, You know, the, the actual, here, I'll just read it to you because I think it's important. But um, a trauma bond um, that forms, it's due to intense emotional experiences, usually with a toxic person. These form when there's inconsistent reinforcement. The environment necessary to create a trauma bond involves intensity, complexity, and inconsistency, and a promise. And the promise is the key factor there because that promise of, I won't hurt you, I will be better, I won't cheat on you again all those kind of promises keep you stuck in something that's very toxic until you have an awakening. And I'll tell you kind of how that happened for me. And it's interesting because a lot of our clients that come to us at that point in time, they've had that same awakening. And, and a lot of that has to do with knowledge, with knowing what you're dealing with, and then all of a sudden really realizing you're not alone. And once that happens, then you're able to you know, start that process of getting some help and, and that healing process as well. And so, um, your story, I mean, it got physical with you, like mm-hmm. the abuse. And so tell us about, I mean, just like how far this got and like how deep you're in it and then what helped you sure. awaken you. Yeah, sure. So, you know, at, we, we got married, we, um, life kind of went on and these trauma bonds started to form. And so there were times that seemed really good. And then there were times that were horrible. And, you know, we had kids during this period of time, we have four boys and a daughter, and um, just, just a really toxic, unhealthy relationship. And I think too, one thing I want to say is I think a lot of women think that they don't have the right to leave unless it's physical, because there's a mark on you. Mm -hmm. But the emotional and the psychological abuse is far outweighs the physical abuse. Um, but the first really physical thing that he, he did to me is I was bathing one of my children and we had kind of a jetted kind of like a deep, uh, bathtub jet. And, um, I'm not sure what he was really upset with me about, but he was mad. And a lot of times they're mad when they feel like you're going to leave them. That's kind of a dangerous point in time if they feel like you're going to leave them. So I may have said something like I'm done. I don't want to be in this anymore. Something like that. Like their power source. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he had grabbed me by the back of the hair and he had dunked me down into the water and he'd hold me down there and then pull me back up. And, you know, until I would give him the right answer or, you know, those kind of things. Um, my abuse from him came in a lot of um, shoving up against the wall, throwing down on the ground. Um, some, some at the end, it got bad, and you know he had thrown me down on the ground and crossed my arms and kneeled on my chest and kind of you know was suffocating me. And at that point, I thought, oh, I'm done. Like this is this is it. And for you know by the grace of God, he he stood up and I got up. But it was that same pattern of I'll be better, I'll do better. I won't do that. I won't leave you're those kind of things. You're the one that's in the know? wrong as you're literally getting violated and abused. And yeah. Thinking, okay. I'll be better. Like, I just can't be like this. Like that's yeah. like yep. so you're saying, even in the physical abuse, like the emotional abuse, like that's the story that goes on and that takes years to recover from. And that, that triggers still can come up for you now. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. That's, that is emotional abuse to its finest, you know? And there's even, I think this even happens like in like parenting styles and in friendships. Like, so I want people to understand that when you're hearing this, it doesn't have to be tied to just romantically, this kind of abuse cycle might, while it might not be physical, this could show up for you in all different areas of your life and different. Absolutely. Like how 
this is formed and bonded and like the trauma. So I want you guys to pay attention to the words that she's saying and just kind of self-reflect on that. Like, is there, is there a power source in your life? That's like that, that's not healthy. And you feel like anxious and you have this anxiety and you feel, and you can feel it like your intuition is telling you, but there's like, it's hard for you to see that. I want you to really ask yourself, like, let me hear what I need to hear right now. Let me see what I need to see right now. And just really help yourself with that. Oh yeah. That's like, no, that's the best way to put that. Um, it's, it's just so true. It's just, you know, you know that something's not right. However, you know, when you live in a situation like that for a really long time, there's a lot of things that happen like gaslighting. Gaslighting is just a way that your abuser makes it feel, makes you feel like you're crazy. Like it's, you know, you know, he could stand in front of me and tell me he didn't do something. And ha- by the end of the conversation, have me convinced that, You're like, you know, oh, he I didn't really do that. Yeah. I'm like, I saw it with my own eyes, but he could convince me that otherwise, and it's called gaslighting. And, you know, I was told I was crazy so many times and you, you get told, you know, that you're worthless and you're crazy. And you start to kind of believe that, you know, until you don't. Um, but kind of where my awakening came in and and I've heard this from other clients, but he had gone out on the road and, you know, infidelity was a huge part of our marriage. It, it happened multiple times. Um, I did the, the last time that he, um, did, I don't know, step out on me. It, it's those people end up being victims as well. It's, it's a, just a, really big pattern, but she had, um, sent a letter to me saying that he had told her that, um, I had died and he was raising the kids by himself. And, you know, she, in her letter then said, I have had to get a stocking injunction against him. He scares me. So you can see the pattern. He doesn't change. He just jumps to the next person. Yeah. Why? And what, what is that need that they're feeling like with that? Is it, and like having a constant person to like almost abuse when they need it. And then these other outlets of abuse, why, what's going on there? Like on the other side? Um, I feel like what happens is they don't, there's not enough excitement. You know, they like to get away with things and really you're just a possession to them. You're just an object to them. There's, there's no, they, they can't feel empathy. They can't feel a lot of emotion. And so for them, you know, it's just getting their next victim almost and um, getting away with it because it's boring to them if they're not getting away with something. So it's very, very typical in that type of a a relationship to see a lot of infidelity. Um, And, and, you know, at first when, when it would happen, I would just be so crushed and devastated and so mad at the other woman. And, you know, now I looking back on it, it just makes me, makes me sick inside for that other woman because, you know, she probably didn't even see it coming, you know, and pretty soon she's wrapped up with him and, and, you know, having an affair and, you know, then it, you know, seeps into her family and, you know, this abuse cycle just continues. So, and still to the, to this day, that's, that happens. So with him, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's sad. I watch, you know, I watch his, his girlfriend and she's actually come to me and we've had a long, a long talk about it. And, you know, it's just not any different. It's just the same thing, just with a different human. Right. How how was that raising sons too? Like, and your, and your daughter, like what, how, what's that relationship look like with all of, for all of them and for you to like be able to talk about this, like about that, like, has that been hard for you to be open up about it and like heal from it? in that experience. Yeah. I mean, it's been, so I've gone to each one of them individually. Three of them have a relationship with their dad. Two of them don't. Um, that's kind of common too with a narcissist or a sociopath. Um, if you know, their relationship with their children seems to be okay, unless they don't conform with what they want. And then it's real easy for them to just wipe them off their whiteboard basically. And so two, two of the kids don't have a relationship and it's been years since they've had a relationship with him. Um, luckily I've been able to keep a good relationship with all of the kids and um, they know, they know that they know about the relationship recovery. They know I speak about it. They know I stand in my truth and, um, and no, not, you know, I don't know that they're super comfortable with it. You know, it's not this fantastic thing to have to talk about 
but every one of them have come to me at some point and said, I'm really proud of you, mom. I'm really proud that, you know, you would stand up for yourself and that you would be willing to put it out there. So maybe it would touch somebody else and help somebody else. So that's been really positive. And, um, and my sons, my three that are married, when we had our mother son dance, they got an earful from me, you know, basically this is your opportunity to change this pattern. You have the opportunity to change this. You have the opportunity to stop it. And I expect that of you. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been good, but it took a lot of years to get here. It wasn't an overnight thing. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff fed to the kids that was very untrue. Um, but he's very convincing. So right. a lot of them believe I mean, things. Narcissists are very charismatic and really good at getting you. I mean, they're great people. They have great people skills because they understand emotional oh, yeah. on a whole different level, but they use it as manipulation rather than to help mm-hmm. them the best in them. That's the difference. Right. Yeah, for sure. So you're going through your awakening process. What, what really like sparks that for you to be true and then to stand in your truth and Tell us about that. So I, he had gone on the road. Um, he had, he'd gotten a job and that's another kind of red flag and indicator of, of being in that type of relationship. A lot of times they, they don't, aren't able to keep jobs. They're not able to keep any type of relationships or friendships. Um, you know, that that's very common. And so for a lot of our marriage, um, he didn't have a job, but this particular time he did and he left and Google was pretty new. Um, you know, the internet was new, fairly new, but I just decided one day I was going to just type in some of the things that he was doing and I typed it in and bam, it came up and I had this just like almost a warm wash of relief. Like, holy crap, you're not alone. Yeah, This is like a real thing and you're not crazy either. And so what I would do is I, would order books. And while he was gone, I would read those books and then I would take him to the dumpster and get rid of them because mm-hmm. I would be in trouble if I, if, if they were found. So I just started to educate myself as best as I could. And that's what, you know, for me, what I love to tell our clients is knowledge is power. It might be scary to open up that box and have to really look at it because once you open up that box, then you either have to do something about it, or you have to, you know, be willing to live with it. And so um, anyways, I opened up that box and then my eyes were opened and I knew that I was dealing with something that was real and I was validated, but I also knew it was going to be pretty hard to get out of. And so uh, I was very fortunate. My, my family, you know, really rallied by me. Um, we had some face protection. Family, we had protect- ever, like, bring up signs. Oh, to to, like, I mean, what did, what that look like on their end? Interesting enough. A lot of times when you live with somebody like this, you become a person that, so for me with my perfectionism that I take on, I, it was like a, almost like a full-time job for me. What I would do is I would make it look to the outside world that we were this perfect family. And on the inside, it was just chaos and falling apart. The problem with that and doing that is when it all does fall apart, right. people don't believe you. Right. And so that was another you're scary so thing. so good at me. painting this picture and you're going to be like, Holy oh yeah, God, how am I going to be like, yeah, like, no, this mm-hmm. is actually what's really all been going on. And then it, and then it's almost like you um, are struggling with your own identity of who you are. Cause you're like, well, God, is this really real? Like, is that another layer of right. like coming to terms with it, I would assume, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. So um, really the tipping point when I left is he had, um, he had grabbed one of my sons and he was 19 at the time and he had slammed him down on the ground and he was, he was mad at him because he said something snarky to one of the other boys and, you know, was too, completely uncalled for. But, you know, when, you're a woman in that situation, you take a lot, but when they touch your base, everything changes. And at that point in time, something just clicked in my head and I knew I needed to get out. I didn't have a lot of resources, but at that night that that happened, my two older boys went to my mom and they told her everything. And I think she just kind of 
it was paralyzing to her. She was just like, she could hardly even process it because I did that good of, you know, I did a great job in making sure right. that, you know, nobody knew. I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to know. I was embarrassed. I was afraid. Um, and I just, you know, I just created that unhealthy codependency pattern yeah. and that's how I did it. And so, yeah, you know, it took a little bit for some of our mutual friends to um, make their own decisions. And in it's unfortunate. You probably know too, with being divorced, yeah. a lot of sides are taken. Unfortunately, you know, I hate that statement that says there's two sides to every story because there is, but they're not equal sides. That's the thing is I think well, we yeah, get this in our mind. There's just multiple truths of every story. It's like what truth. Yeah. Even like our own truth changes. The more we wake up to yeah. something, we're like, Oh shit. Like I was actually lying. Yeah. About right. Like, My bad. Never mind. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And it's learning how to yeah. trust yourself again through that process. Because you're like, if I was able to justify this and lie to myself like this, like how else have I hurt myself and like self-sabotage? And this is like, this is why I love talking about this. Cause this is a form of self-love is that we, and if we don't love ourselves, like this is the kind of stuff that we put up with and allow, because at some point in time, we felt like we didn't receive, like, what well, this is our, this is what our worth has become. And it's based on, like you're saying, like this grooming process. And it's like, okay, well, how long have, how long am I going to keep taking this? And what am I going to keep doing with until there is just like this snap moment where you're like, no, I'm not going to keep putting up with this. And I love that you like bring that into like your kids. Cause I think that's the beauty of having children too, is like, would like I would never, the way I've talked to myself, I would never want Ella or Harper to be talked to. The way, the things that I put up with and hurt myself with, I would never want them to do. And so it, it helps us take ownership in a totally different way to be like, shit, like, okay, mm -hmm. let me take some own inner different accountability. And I think that's yeah. powerful for you because it's, but then it's, but then like you, you even mentioned this before, it's like, once you see it, then it's making a choice still. Cause I think a lot of people become aware to this, but the choice of being uncomfortable and being in pain and like dealing with it is so much for them. It seems like that's so much worse to deal with all this deal with this. So how, how do you, what, what helped you regardless of what your family and stuff is saying, especially that you were there, like, we don't believe you. Like what helped you mm -hmm. stay that path? You know, I, I just played the victim. I was the victim. I'm not saying that I wasn't, I'm not discounting that, but what I'm saying is that, I stayed in victim mode for a really long time. And when I decided to own it and I decided to stand up and say, you know what, I played a part in this. I played my own role in this. Um, did I ask for the abuse and ask for the trauma? Absolutely not. But is it my responsibility to heal from it? Absolutely it is. Mm -hmm. And so once that clicked for me and I knew that, you know, there's nobody else that just come in and save me, I'm going to have to back up and unpack all of this crap that I'm carrying around with me, all of this, you know, shame and guilt and codependency is a big problem for me. And um, I'm going to have to try and, you know, either work with somebody or, you know, learn myself. I just didn't really have a direction to go yeah. and nobody in our family had ever experienced it. So I didn't have anybody to guide me. And that, you know, came into play as far as wh where the relationship recovery started from was, you know, we just wanted to be able to give people resources that we didn't have and tools that yeah. we didn't have. And that's how the relationship recovery started. But, um, but yeah, just owning it and um, being very responsible for healing. It was, it was my responsibility to take care of it and accepting, you know, that I was not going to get an apology that that was never going to happen. Um, but, and, and also just being very aware and very, um, okay that this did happen because abuse doesn't have any boundaries. It doesn't care what color you are, how old you are, you know, what your, you know, social status is. It doesn't care. It's everywhere. Right. And, you know, just owning the fact that it's okay. It happened. And just because it happened to me doesn't mean I'm less of a person and I cannot base my worth on the abuse. I have to base my worth on the power that's actually inside me. I just need to awaken that power. Yeah. So I love yeah, that. So that. And, and, and then it's just like building up that power. And I love that. That's like what relationship recovery is, is helping people build that inner power, build that inner strength, build their intuition and have those tools that are available so you can stay on that path. And so they have help 
for that. I think that's just so powerful for that. And what did you have a support system later that you found or what has helped you through your process? So I was really, really fortunate. And I know this doesn't, um, you know, I, I think for us, we're able to provide um, a mode of healing for people that if they cannot do therapy, they can get it in some other forms that we are able to offer. I was very fortunate to do there to have about three years of therapy. The problem was, is I was just in survival mode. So I was not getting the most out of it for sure, but I was getting something out of it yeah. and it was very helpful. Um, and you know, as time went on and, um, I got further into the healing process, I was able to do EMDR therapy, which was a lifesaver. And um, you said that like totally drastically, you and Kirsten both talk well, about that. Like, so. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, it's it, funny. What, um, what that stands for in case they don't know. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, um, it's a therapy that's done with lights. It's done with lights or tapping or eye. it's done with your eye movement and it works on both sides of your brain. It works really, really well with um, people that have come back from war that have PTSD. One thing that I think that people don't realize is that if you are in an abusive situation, you have PTSD, you have actually complex PTSD, um, well, which is a little bit different. It, it's like different traumas coming up for you too. Mm -hmm. And also if you don't ever yep. deal with it, that trauma is like living with you internally, like forever. And so, oh yeah, you're in flight. Yeah. You're in flight or fight mode right. all the time. It right. never shuts off. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, that was super duper helpful to me, like probably one of the most helpful things for me. Um, and then, you know, also serving and helping others it, yes. and, and telling my story, my you know, it's not always an easy thing to tell. And sometimes I tell it a certain way and then I, you know, omit things and tell other things to different audiences. It just depends on who I'm speaking with. Well, I feel like what I feel part like of your intuition, like what's coming up for you. Like what is, what is my, yes. our stories have so many layers in them, but like, I think yeah. that's the perfect part of it is like, you just kind of get in flow of what, what you need, what they need to know, like at, at that point. Mm -hmm. And it's also a different layer of your own healing because you're like, wow, I actually haven't talked about that part in a while or hmm, that. And sometimes this is even a different level of awareness that comes up for you. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but sometimes people ask me different oh. questions and I'm like, actually, I, well, uh, I'm going to process that shit right now. Actually, I'll tell you that. And then, so, but it's just, it's, and you're like, thank you. That was like a cool, never a new level. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. And oh, it's the other day. That, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The other day we got off a phone call and Kirsten called me. She's like, holy crap. She's like, I learned something so valuable that I didn't even realize that I was doing that I need to really work on. Yeah. And that, you know, I think it was a, a live um, Instagram thing that we had done. So yeah, but I do that all the time. It's like, oh, wow. Yes. You know, I do need to address that or I need to go back to that. Yes. That's the thing is healing's not linear. It's, you know, it's up and down. I think as long as we're doing up and down and going, you know, towards saying, that direction, yes. we're good. Absolutely. Um, well, and so how, tell my audience where they could, cause you guys do put out like the best content you guys talk and you guys have, and, you, and that's, what's crazy. Y'all they give like so much free content of understanding, like you're in these relationships and how to heal from them and what to do with them. What's the best way if someone wants to work with you and wants to talk with you? Like, how could they do that? So we do, we do one-on-one -on -one calls. Actually, they're two-on-one -on -one calls, which makes us a little bit unique um, because Kirsten and I are always both on the call because we come from different perspectives. We both, and you'll hear Kirsten's story too, yeah. um, but we both come from, you know, two different perspectives and, and it seems to work really well and kind of work kind of magical with people as far as what they're able to get from our calls. But so we do a two-on-one -on -one call, which you can just book at therelationshiprecovery.com. Um, on our site, we have a list of 10 books that we recommend that have really good, they're good for anybody, but there's some really great ones in there for healing from a narcissist, um, you know, all sorts of great, great books in there. And that's free. We have another PDF in there that's Are free. Some of the books that um, you were reading during your process and like throwing in the dumpster that you didn't oh, yeah. find? Okay. Yep. Well, I, love I love it. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I mean, the first book, um, the first book that was super meaningful for me when that awakening happened was The Gifts of Imperfection by mm -hmm. Brene Brown. 
it was the very first book of that sort that I had read prior to that it was all yeah like I read Boomerang Love and just all this stuff to try and figure out why this was like so gut-wrenching to think I had to let this relationship go that was so toxic you know so I, a lot of my reading was in that realm and then you know when I I you you know I can see that shift when that shift started to happen because everything shifted my whole mindset started to shift it started to shift to positivity to you know learning how to love myself and forgive myself that's another big thing when you live in yes. in a situation like that is forgiving yourself for not knowing what you didn't know until you knew it yeah. you know yes i love that so, you so yeah we do that we embrace that process cuz you really don't know until you know and yeah cuz uh, you don't I mean, I guess, and that's the thing, I guess I'll ask you that, like, is that something that you recommend teaching our daughters about? Like this, is, like, I don't know. My, my parents never had a conversation with me about that. Like, Hey, this is narcissistic behavior that you may see in a relationship or a friendship or like, if you just don't, like you said, you don't know till you know. So in your opinion, is that something to educate about or like Absolutely. how to go about that? Like, what do you yeah. recommend that? I mean, when they get to dating age or, you know, whenever they're starting to, you know, hang out with boys, I think it's just vital that they know what dating violence looks like. Yeah, it's okay. huge. It's huge. And that's where it starts. And Kirsten's going to talk a little bit about that. Her, um, her dating experiences kind of set her up for, you know, I was so young that I was in this relationship from like 12 right years old that, to, right. you know, the time I turned 40. Yeah. So I didn't get that other experience, but I'm sure that had I had that other experience and I started dating other people, the trend probably would have been similar. I would have probably you kind of just keep you fo keep following that same pattern. Yeah. And it's just different characters, but the same movies just replaying. And I think exactly I've even done this where and I and I am, am learning so much about myself and like in my own codependency ways, and I'm really learning my own boundary and like doing my own inner work with that and and not realizing it like freshly out of a divorce and just like, all, cause like you get so used to like being in such a relationship that I'm like, well, isn't this like normal? I'm like, Oh no, this is very codependent. Like let's back it up. Like reel it in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> and so it's just so true. That, like how you feel like you don't know till you know. So, and I love that Kirsten's going to talk about that. So I guess like bringing up when they're in, when they start to date and stuff with is like your recommendation. Yeah. I mean, they need to know what's healthy, what a healthy relationship looks like. I mean, one thing I'm, been just so extremely grateful for is when my daughter was 10 I got remarried and so she's had you know nine years of seeing what healthy looks like and that's another thing because when you live in toxicity and you go to healthy it's you have to relearn everything it's you don't right. know what healthy is like and it's mm -hmm. it's almost like you start to create your own chaos and because that was what I was going to ask. I was like, was know. it have been hard for you to receive that and be like, oh, oh wait, absolutely. this is normal. I don't need it. And almost not what tend to like bring up your own or create anxiety or like just like chaoticness because that's what you're so used to that you are addicted to. And I, I see this in, in, in coaching, right? Where you see people like they are, they are so good in certain areas of their life. And then because that goes good for them, they like, ha they just don't know how to handle it. Cause they've never felt like they deserve that kind of success. So they have to go yeah. like immediately like fuck up somewhere else. And you're like, what just, oh, like, so what just why did sabotage you, everything? Like, and you're watching it. You're like, well, like, I'm literally watching you do this. Like, what are you doing? And, but yeah. they don't see it that way. And so that has to show up the same, like, I, I would assume like in a relationship, like until you unlearn and like relearn that behavior. And so how do you find someone? Is that like just really communicating with that person? Like, Hey, I went through like this really traumatic relationship. Like, here's my triggers here. When this comes up for me, like, this isn't about you. This is like, what, how do you cope in that situation? So I'll just give you just a tiny bit of background, just because this is kind of an interesting topic. But when I got divorced, I got into another relationship and he was super fun and he was charismatic and he was nice to me. Mm -hmm. However, he was very familiar. Um, and because I had had enough knowledge behind, you know, my, my situation and I had studied enough about it, I had gone to therapy, I was able to see that, okay, this is a major red flag and you don't want to do this. So when then I, you know, dated a little bit off and on. And then when I met my husband, it was, I just didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I would find myself, 
you know, if I was late coming home from work or something, I'd find myself hurrying to call him. And just with this, this terrible feeling in my stomach, you know, one time he said to me, I really love that you're calling me because I know you're so that I know that you're safe. But if you're calling me because you think you're going to be in trouble, you can't call me anymore. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, you just can't, uh, he's, yeah. he's, you know, but he's been really patient with me. And one thing I've worked really hard on is showing up for him as me, mm. you know, not as, you know, my past and, you know, all these walls and barriers that I'll put yeah. up sometimes if I start to get triggered and, um, you know, I, I think that just as time goes on, we learn, we learn techniques, we learn skills. I, I, we were watching a TV show and on that show, um, it was horrible. I wasn't really even watching it. I was working on my computer, but I just had glanced up and the, somebody was drowning somebody in a tub. So trigger moment, right? Oh, Huge trigger moment for me. I, you know, I was able to just stand up. I wasn't, I didn't need to even say anything about it. My husband just died though, because he knows, he knows oh, what yeah. my triggers are. And, um, I just was able to, you know, go in the other room and do some really good deep breathing and ground myself. And I was okay. Now that doesn't happen like that right at first, you know, yeah. those triggers can stay with you for a, a long time and they can turn into other triggers. And it's like, almost like a, just a roller coaster of emotions, but as you heal, and that's, that's a good indicator that the healing is, you know, you're, you're always going to be healing. It's not that that's going to ever stop magically. And you're like, I'm healed and I don't need to do any more work. You always have to do the work on yourself, right. but that, that definite line of, okay, I can take myself out of that situation. I can ground myself and I'm okay is huge. And it feels like success when you can do that. It's like, wow, you know, I am powerful. I, um, I am worthy. I am enough. All those kind of things start to come up for you yes. when you're actually able to, you know, do that. It's a cool, cool thing. So I love that. And I love that yeah. you're talking about the tools of affirmation and just like believing in yourself and finding your breath and finding what grounds you and speaking your truth and being like, oh, okay, like this is triggering me. Okay, I can remove myself. I'm in control of how I allow this to trigger me and how I choose to show up and I'm going to show up as the best me. And I think that's where that choice and that power continues to grow because you're like, yep, okay, this, yep, I can take ownership of this though and here's my own inner accountability. And that's like such a beautiful way of having your power back, I think, you know? So I love that. For sure. I think, I think, you know, the courage to stand back up and look yourself like right in that eye in the mirror and say, you know what, this happened to me, but guess what? I can do something about this and I'm going to do something about it right now, yep. you know, and just being proactive and, you know, I guess just separating yourself from being the victim to being the victor, you know, just, yes. just this, you know, what do I want to be? Do I want to live here in this yes. painful, you know, part of my life or do I want to do the work? And that's the other thing. If you're going to get better and if you're going to heal, you have to do the work and it's not fun work all the time. It yeah. sucks. You know, it's like to feel some shit. Like you're going to have to. Oh, absolutely. And be okay yep. to just, like sit in that sting. And like you said, mm -hmm. it is doing the work and that it's just like a diet or going to the gym or saving money in a bank account. It, this is all the same. It's day after day after day of practice and self-discipline and consistency. And then it becomes the habit of who you are mm -hmm. and allowing that to be, but it, that's so key and everything is doing, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, yeah, for sure. What would be some of the first sign or maybe like two, two or three steps that you could give someone to have them help start doing the work if they, through hearing you and hearing these stories are like, oh, wow. Okay. Like I'm being aware now, like what would be three steps for them that you could give them to start with now? Obviously, okay, reach out to I would your website. Say I, yeah. I mean, very, very good information. Uh, find a community, find your people, find your tribe. Like it's really important. Yeah, a support system, a community. Um, we have a great community over there, and we, you know, we we have really great people in that community that support each other. It's just that's been the probably the best part of the whole thing is to watch these women support each other and lift yeah. each other and pick each other up back up when they fall. Um, I would say, 
you know, I would, I would definitely say if, you know, if you are in a dangerous situation, um, you can write to us, we'll form a safety plan for you and we'll help you get out. I always like to talk about that a little bit because sometimes I think, like you said before, people don't know that they're really in that dangerous situation until they've got the knowledge behind it. And they're like, holy crap, I'm like, I'm in trouble, you know? Um, so I would say that, you know, if that's a problem, then, then reach out. And I would also say, you know, there's a lot of tools that you can get that are out there. And so educate yourself, educate yourself, you know, really dig deep and find out if you are in a toxic relationship. And then I would tell somebody, I would tell somebody that you can trust, be careful who you tell, but tell somebody that you can trust because you do need the support. And um, also remember to give yourself some grace. It takes a while to get out of these relationships, like on an average about seven times before you really get out. And if you're on the other side of things, if you've got a friend that's in this situation, be patient. It's, um, that's all you can do is love and support them. And you can't, you know, as much as you'd like to pick them up and take them out of that situation, they have to do it on their own. Yeah. Um, but I would just say, you know, you have the power within you and you have the courage to stand back up and you have so many people around you that love you and will support you yes. and will carry you on this journey when you cannot carry yourself. We are here for you. And that is what I would um, like to, you know, tell people so that they know. I love that. I love it. I love you. I think you're so, so amazing. I love all the light and the wisdom that you brought today. Thanks for sharing your story and your journey and awareness and all these tips and just all the advice and the love and light that you just gave and supported with. And anybody, please reach out to her. Like she's just so amazing. She'll totally help you. She has been such a light for me and has helped me through so much. Um, and not even just in this too, but she also like does like the raddest events ever. So if you guys ever want to have an event and you want her to help you, like she will do that for you. She's the queen. So if thank you so much. I so appreciate you all. Make sure we link everything up so people can reach out to you. Um, and thank you just for sharing your love and your time. And I so, so love you so, so much. You're amazing. Oh, me too. Thank you for um, the opportunity to be on here. And I love you so much. And I'm just so grateful that you're part of my life. Thanks. I'm so thankful for that. You're in my life. So bless you. (laughs) All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did subscribe, make sure you share it and give us a little review. Love you. Have the best day. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Just Talking Today. I hope you got some value out of it. I hope you learned something. I hope you laughed. I hope you cried maybe a little bit if it's one of those kind of episodes. I just want to thank you so much for all your love and support and you just tuning in. It really means the world to me. If you would do me an extra solid and whatever platform you're using right now to listen to it, if you just go ahead and subscribe so that way you can always know when a new episode drops for you so you can be in the know. And also if you would just go ahead and leave me a little review, mark that star, whether it be the first star or the fifth star, whatever you're on that day and leave me a little review. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much again for all your love and support. Sending you all the love and light your way. Thanks again for tuning in to Just Talking. Have the best day.